Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I've actually been really clear that I think that Israel has waged, now we're on day 52, a campaign that is not a military campaign, but what is very clearly an ethnic cleansing campaign that has not achieved any military advantage. After 52 days and an incredible humanitarian toll of 14,800 deaths, including 6,000 children, 4,000 women, 36,000 injured, 60 journalists, where my colleague Mu'in Bani points out that Israel has killed more UN staffers than Hamas leaders. They have not achieved anything through that uh, through that campaign, that onslaught of what legal scholars and genocide scholars has described as genocidal. In fact, the, the agreement that they had just agreed to in terms of the exchange of hostages uh, for hostages, many of these Palestinians should be understood as hostages, as they they not they're not prisoners. They did not. Have have adequate due process. That, of course, uh, the spokesperson for Hamas, Nora Erekat on MSNBC. Wait, hold on. N- not the spokesperson for Hamas, but quote unquote human rights lawyer. Oh, uh, you, you, you can understand my confusion. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Joy Reid has uh, this person on as a guest and just sits there. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What genocidal group engages a ceasefire? Once you ask that question and you realize that the only possible answer The only possible answer that can be given is one of just, uh, well, you know, I I think I I have a better way of saying it, but I I, I can't come up with it right now. How in the world would I say it? Oh, that's right. What genocidal power engages a ceasefire? And the people who engaged in acts of terrorism in Israel, stabbings and other things, those are hostages? This is a spokesperson for Hamas. And MSNBC is allowing this freely. I wonder if Joe Scarborough will make note of that. Sometimes you got to make notes of things uh, your friends do. And um, I'm... uh, I'm one of those people, and I'm going to have to do that today because a decision got made that I don't get. It's not that I have serious opposition. It's that it just doesn't make any sense. I'll get to that coming up. Eleven more hostages were released, nine of them children. The truce, or the ceasefire, I should say, between Israel and Hamas being extended another two days. There's also a push to have it extended even longer. Israel said, we'll extend every day. You release another ten uh Another 10 of uh, of our people. 
Hamas now saying, well, we'll we'll release the men and the soldiers too, but no more fighting, all done. No more fighting, all done. Well, that's an interesting idea. We'll get to that in a moment. But first, let's get to what this ceasefire brings. You get, if you're Israel, you get these people back. If you're Hamas, you get a chance to rearm and go about killing Jews again. That's that's where we're at. I mean, MSNBC could put all of their uh, Hamas supporters uh, up all they want. It doesn't change reality. But let's always go to the lowest common denominator when these people engage. You want to argue that Hamas, all right, begrudgingly will say they're a terrorist organization, even though you don't really feel that way. Uh, They're freedom fighters, whatever it is. You have to understand that Israel led them to it. Israel brought them to it. Israel is the enemy. Uh, Okay. What if I say, okay, you're right. Israel is, is, is just as evil. That's what you want to say. Okay. Let's, let's play your game. Let's play the game to the very end. If you believe that, that Israel is awful and you believe Hamas is awful. Well, these people don't believe Hamas is awful. They believe that Hamas are a bunch of freedom fighters. But we believe that Hamas is awful and they believe that Israel is awful. Isn't the answer we'll let them fight? There, no one's better than the other, according to, to these people. So let them fight. They don't believe in that. They would never believe and let them fight. Well, the problem is Israel gets all this American help and all this American military. Whoa, 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 whoa. You just said that everybody was terrible. You said Israel was terrible. We're saying Hamas is terrible. Let them fight. Now you're saying it's unfair? When they are pushed, they will admit through the inability to speak that the only acceptable result is dead Jews and Israel gone. Understand who it is you're dealing with and understand what it is that they want. Joy Reid allowed a Hamas supporter to speak unabashedly on her show. Joy Reid allowed this. Smiled while it happened. Or at least didn't mock. Did it? All right. Maybe she wasn't holding up pom poms and cheering. But you just allowed this like somehow it's an intellectual pursuit. The IDF has not achieved anything, but is genocidal. What does that actually mean? And would we agree that the IDF has not achieved anything? Says who? It seems to me that the IDF was able to drop enough bombs on to Hamas and disrupt Hamas enough that they had to call for a ceasefire and are now willing to give up hostages, kids that they kidnapped, women that they kidnapped, whom they didn't happen to rape or murder. And I have no idea if these women were raped or not. So maybe, via the concept of a ceasefire as it is, we could state that, yes, indeed, the IDF has achieved many things. But I want to go over this one more time. There's something very important here uh, to to note from uh, this uh, so-called human rights lawyer. 
very clearly an ethnic cleansing campaign that has not achieved any military advantage. After 52 days and an incredible humanitarian toll of 14,800 deaths, including 6,000 children, 4,000 women, 36,000 injured, 60 journalists. Where do you get your numbers? You get them from Hamas. You believe that stuff? You believe Hamas? The Gaza Health Ministry is run by Hamas. You believe Hamas? Hamas engaged a ceasefire with Israel and has already broken the ceasefire. Three different explosive devices. Israelis hurt and Israelis are still honoring the ceasefire. That's Hamas. Now you want me to believe their numbers? Are you out of your mind? Joy Reid could not be found for comment because she also believes the Hamas numbers. There is a group that did an independent review of the allegation that Israel, that Israel blew up a hospital. Remember that? Remember the whole conversation uh, uh, about this? And uh, the, the, the hospital was bombed, and look what Israel did. And then it turns out the hospital's still standing. A bomb hit the parking lot next to it. Oh, and it didn't come from Israel. It came from Gaza because these people don't know how to make rockets. They also really don't know how to make hospitals nor schools, and they certainly don't care about running water. But that's not the story right now. You have got a group called Human Rights Watch, which has concluded via an investigation that the explosion at the hospital, quote, resulted from an apparent rocket-propelled munition such as those commonly used by Palestinian armed groups that hit hospital grounds. It was Rashida Tlaib who said that Israel attacked the hospital, the congresswoman from Michigan, the Jew-hating bigot that she is. And then when met with evidence, which was already out, she doubled down on it. And I don't believe to date she has ever deleted the tweet or ever apologized. The squad doubled down on it. But of course, it didn't happen the way they said it did. They lie. They get caught in the lie. And then they lie about something else. They don't actually care. It means nothing to them. They're happy to do it. Why? Because it doesn't matter what they say. The objective is the destruction of Israel. And they'll do anything to make that happen, including ginning people up, including getting a media to lie which of course is the biggest part of the conversation. Why is the media so involved in a position as opposed to a reporting? This was over at Semaphore, where the story is, is that leaders of the union representing the Wall Street Journal sent a letter to the parent union, which is the News Guild, noting journalists are afforded protected status in war zones and uh, appearing to take a side could block reporters from attending briefings or speaking to officials. Now, why in the world would a reporter have to tell, would a union have to tell their union heads, hey, don't take a side? Because there are people out there in the union who are pushing for the union to release a statement supporting a ceasefire in Gaza. 
You're journalists. Your job is to report. Now, Joy Reid is not a journalist. In the same way, I am not a journalist. I may report news. I may break news from time to time, but I do commentary. Journalism is something different. It's supposed to be respected. It's very hard to do these days. I'm with you. But why do we have journalists who want to put out a position that Israel should do X or this should happen or that? That's not their job. That's not their role. Why do they think that it is? Why do they think that it's their job to have an opinion on this and somehow engage a level of influence on this when that's not their job? Why do they do this? Why do they get involved? Well, getting involved has become the raison d'etre. You can go back to Trump, certainly you can go back to earlier. Remember, they said they were going to go against their journalistic principles in order to save the country and keep us from electing Trump in 2016. And then in 2017, the New York Times had the audacity to say, okay, now we're back to journalism. Oh, is that right? We haven't seen it yet, New York Times. We're waiting. It's not all the news that's fit to print. It's all the news you fit in the print. There's a difference. They felt that they and only they could really save us from ourselves. If you want to talk about the total disaster that is education, I'll get into more into education. I've got a whole thing to get to. I'll get to that in a little bit. But they've been taught not to be journalists. They've been taught to be activists, that the activism is the only way to decency. And they've been taught that somehow equivocation is a value. Every rational mind knows that Hamas is a terrorist organization. Why in the world would you engage equivocation regarding Hamas and Israel? That is different than whether or not Israel does anything, everything that you like. Israel might do many things you don't like. But the goal of Israel is not to destroy Hamas. The goal of Hamas is to destroy Israel. Are we questioning this basic data point? But the answer for the so-called human rights lawyers <laughs> is Israel, I say Israel has the right to exist. You say Hamas are somehow the good guys. I say let them fight it out. You then say, well, Israel shouldn't be allowed to do that. It's not fair. You're right, it's not fair. Hamas is going to get their ass kicked. Ooh, it's going to be brutal. Uh, is it going to be a pay-per-view? I would like to get some popcorn for this one. And then you complain, you scream, and you moan how it's not fair this and it's not fair that because you are admitting the only thing that you see as fair is a country's eradication. The problem is those of us here in the United States, Jews and non-Jews alike, we understand what that means. We understand that the argument being made by this, in my view, Hamas spokesperson is not about Jews or Israel. Because anybody who thinks it ends there is out of their head. It ends with the end of Western civilization. Thank goodness there are Christians out there who understand what's at stake. Because there are still way too many Jews who don't. Cracking through uh, that liberal skull is, is difficult, but I'm working on it. I swear, I'm working on it as fast as I can. But if you think this stops with Israel, you do not understand the game plan. 
What do you think we're seeing across the United States? What do you think this whole oppressed oppressor thing is all about? This is the 99% and the 1%. This is the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. This is Marxism, and it exists on your college campus joyfully and in your halls of Congress joyfully. You let Hamas win? Man, you are asking for a world of hurt in your backyard. I'm Tony Katz. The Dow is up 133. The Nasdaq up 40. Tony Katz. Tony Katz. Today, I'll get more into the economy. Dr. Matt Will set to join us. Um, are we going to see interest rates go down? Well, wishful thinking makes it true then then maybe but no i had to share with you the most uh, you know it's it's hard to say that this is the most insane thing that one has ever heard that's that's a bit of hyperbole but this from the secretary of education miguel cardona is nuts and when you hear it you're going to say wait there's no way that this progressive miguel cardona just said that in that way and we're supposed to somehow not notice. Here is what the Secretary of Education talking about Education Department priorities, Miguel Cardona, here is what he said. You know, we're going to set up follow-up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Um, there's, there are resources there. There's technical assistance there. And there's a playbook that could support the work you're doing. Did did he just really quote Reagan? And did he quote him in that way? I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Now, anybody who knows anything about Reagan has spit their coffee out on their steering wheel. They've dropped their lunch and they're screaming right now in their office. Because they know that's not what Ronald Reagan said. What Ronald Reagan said was much different, even though it was those words. Ronald Reagan, back in 1986, said this. I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. You see the difference, right? You clearly understand the difference. So what is Miguel Cardona doing? Either he is a willful, wanton liar, a fraud amongst frauds, or the education secretary is a dope. These are the options. I'm going with the former. I think that I'm going to put my bet on the former, that when he's quoting Reagan, he knows that he's manipulating what Reagan said. He knows it. I'm from the government and I'm here to help is not a, a, a good thing. It's frightening. This is exactly the difference. You want to know why I'm not a progressive? It's because progressives think that government is the source of good. And I think that we are the source of good. If government is a source of good, then government can decide then the people can't be trusted. Government has to take more power from the people.
But a government of, by, and for the people means the people decide. And that creates more value. Certainly more safety, more security, more opportunity for longevity. This is the difference. Oh, and the idea that Cardona could even rank against Ronald Reagan is precious. But are we about to see interest rates go down, or is this just wishful thinking? Dr. Matt Will joins us next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Tony Katz today. We talk often about the economy, and every time I talk to economists like Dr. Matt Will, I'm reading the Wall Street Journal, I'm hearing from the people at, at Fox Business with Charles Payne, who we have on the show from time to time and others, there's nothing that signals to me that everything is going in the right direction. Although we have seen a cooling of inflation, that does not mean we've seen the end of inflation. It doesn't mean that we've seen an, an end to the increase uh, in prices. It doesn't mean that we're going to be seeing any rate cuts anytime soon. That's not what it means. I think we're still seeing it. I think we're still experiencing it. And I have no reason to think it's going to end anytime soon. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Appreciate him taking the time, stepping outside to have the conversation. Dr. Matt Will on the X Twitter box. It's the Wall Street Journal that put out this story that the interest rate futures indicated that there is a 52% chance that the Federal Reserve will lower rates by at least a quarter of a percentage point by its May 2024 policy meeting. And by the end of 2024, rates might be down from where they are right now by nearly a full percent. Is this wishful thinking? Well, Tony, I don't know that it's wishful thinking. What the Wall Street Journal is simply doing is reporting on what the futures market believes. And the futures markets can be confusing to most folks because they're what we call derivatives. Um, But they're very, they they have a good track record in history of predicting the future. Of course, that's what they're called, futures. And there is now investors, buyers and sellers. Some believe rates are going up. Some believe rates are going down. But the current indication in the futures market is that there's a 52% chance, as you said, of rates going down next year. Am I one of that 52%? No. But I can tell you that it is now more than a majority of investors that do think, believe, wish, desire, I don't know what you want to use it, and you know, what word, that rates will go down. Well, that's just it. Believe and wish can't be in the same conversation. Believe is, well, here are some indicators that make me think this will happen. And wish is, I kneel down by my bed at night and say, dear Lord, do me a favor. I need my 401k to grow. Will you please bring rates down? Those are two different things, sir. 
<laughs> you, are, you are correct. But people that buy and sell securities, people who are investors, are people. They have psychology. They have sentiment. They have beliefs. And, you know, my interpretation of the data is that the market is not going to be cutting rates because Jerome Powell told me, he told the world, I'm not cutting rates anytime soon. If I have to, I'll be holding them here for long term. So I think that the majority of the people in the market now are ignoring the data and they're ignoring what Jerome Powell thinks because of wishful thinking. So, no, you're correct. They sit down at night and pray, but they're wrong, in my opinion. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, you've got some people at the Fed saying that the policy in place right now is the right policy to bring down uh, inflation. You've got the White House that says inflation is down. Um, is is I mean, but that's their argument. Their argument is we were flat month over month, so therefore inflation is down. Aren't you lucky? Why do you laugh at that? I laugh because the White House just it, they just can't admit reality. They ignore it. The Fed, we, we talked about this just last week. The, we had one month. Good. One month. Let's see what happens next month. And the Fed is in the, in the mode where they said even when inflation is under control, and it's not. The White House is lying to you, Tony. They're lying. Inflation is not under control. The Fed says if it gets under control, they will hold interest rates stable. I believe the Fed, I take them at their word. So now let's take exactly what you said, and now let's apply a headline to it. This is CNBC earlier today. Amazon touts record-breaking sales in kickoff to holiday shopping season. They say that the period November 17th to Cyber Monday marked its, quote, biggest ever, unquote, holiday shopping event compared to the same 11-day stretch last year. Is comparing something to last year a sign that everything is better? No. First of all, last year was not something I would ever compare myself to. I compare myself to maybe 2019. But also, there's another report that Amazon has overtaken UPS and FedEx as the biggest delivery company in the world. So what does that tell you? There's a shift. It's merely a shift. So part of the gain in Amazon is people shifting their buying habits from certain uh, retailers to Amazon. So their growth does not mean growth in the economy. Their growth means growth in Amazon. You just said something I think that struck people's wait, what was that again? Amazon is now larger as a delivery company than UPS and FedEx? Yes. Yes. That was uh, this report came out uh, last week and they've now overtaken both of those companies. Because they have their own trucks. That's, that's, that's your game. They're doing it for themselves. They're not doing it for others. Correct. Okay, just but make what sure does that I tell you about it. the size of Amazon? Amazon is so large that their own delivery scale is more significant than their competitors who deliver for everybody else. That's a scary thought of a consolidation of power in one company. That is going to be a scary thought uh, in terms of investment in UPS and, and, and FedEx, for sure. But let's go back to this conversation regarding 
um, the, the, the futures and the reduction of, of interest rates. Um, I, I would like to see interest rates go down. I certainly uh, uh, hope that, that it happens, but hope is, is not a strategy. Um, what is it that in, when you speak to economists who think they will go down, what do they believe that the strategy is? The current uh, policies of the Fed or the current policies of the administration? I don't, I don't know of any academic economists, who I'm not fans of, that believe rates are going to be going down anytime soon. What I see is people on Wall Street, 52% of them, now let's keep this clear, this isn't everybody, who very much believe they're going to go down, hoping, and this is, I do mean the word hope, hoping that by their strong 52% opinion that they can persuade the Fed to cut rates. That's what they're doing. I think they're wrong. That's my analysis is different. I don't know of anybody that's putting in a data-driven analysis on the table to justify rate cuts. To what extent is the Fed persuadable by business? You know what? I don't think they are. I have been impressed, not by the policy of, let's say, Bernanke and Yellen, but I've been impressed with their independence. And I have seen, well, I, I yeah, yeah, I'll say it with their independence. And, and Jerome Powell is, I think, more independent than his two predecessors. So I, I don't think they're persuadable. I, I think this is just really Wall Street folks who we've talked about as being interest rate addicts who, who are simply trying to do anything they can to persuade the Fed to cut rates so that they can make money off of that. That's all it is. Get into a conversation with me talking to Dr. Matt Whale, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Um, one of the things Joe Biden is is talking about as he is focused on, on re-election, but he is engaging himself and inserting himself into the business world. And he does it on, on two subjects as of late. Um, the idea of junk fees, right, and 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 price gouging. He's been talking about this a, a, a lot, and certainly there would be some people who'd be very thrilled to see some of the nonsense fees that are here, there, and everywhere disappear. But that that comes at a, at a great cost if you want government getting involved in 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 this way. Is there anything from an economic point of view where business people or economists like yourself are looking at these things from the Biden administration and saying, this is going to make a real, real difference? Oh, I think it'll make a difference in the wrong direction. I believe that his focus on fees are causing problems for the economy. They're disrupting the invisible hand of the free market. And that is wrong. That is what causes economies to shrink. It's what it causes businesses to go out of business. It's what causes GDP to drop. You, you can't, the free market must be free. There's no old guy sitting in the White House that can control the economy. And if he thinks he is, he's delusional. Well, he might very well be uh, delusional, um, but that doesn't mean that he isn't moving in this direction. But there's there's no consensus that if the administration did uh, X, like got rid of junk fees, that somehow this would really free up markets and this would really uh, allow for growth. This is this is very much uh, small ball politics as opposed to large economic policy. It's socialism. It has zero to do with economics. I mean, if a bank can't make money on spread, which is the amount that they charge um, on loans versus what they pay in deposits, they have to make their money somewhere. So they make it on overdraft fees, 
convenience fees, loan origination fees. That's what the, the banking industry is right now. So Joe Biden wants to control that. He and his administration have already screwed up the banking in sector through their bailout of SVB and they're controlling who's successful and not successful. And now they want to go more into it. They're doubling down on running banks. Who, who in your listening audience would like Joe Biden to run the banks of our country? Well, you, you want to ask that question? Yes. I question their sanity if they say they want Biden to run the banks instead of professional bankers. A guy who's lived his entire life in Washington, D.C., knows more about banking and, and his staff, which is probably a, you know, a bunch of uh, people in liberal arts degrees who know nothing about finance and economics. You want them to run? You want them to run the banks of our country instead of professional bankers who have spent their whole lives doing it? I, I think you'd be you'd be surprised to learn their answer, uh, Doctor Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. The United Nations wants the United States to eat less meat. Well, I'll tell them what they can eat. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. You didn't hear anything. 833-468-8669. Got Tony. Um, This uh, is just another in a series of mantras going after uh, people living their lives. And you should be eating bugs and not cows. The failure of leading meat and dairy companies to reduce emissions underlines the urgent need for more policy focus on the food and agriculture sector. This, according to some nonsense merchant who works with the UN, food system emissions deserve a place at the top of the table alongside energy and transportation as they represent an estimated third of greenhouse gas emissions and 40% of methane. Also, uh, they contribute a tremendous amount to food. These people are opposed to food. Now, this all goes back to something that's been happening around the country for years, something called Meatless Monday, where the, the leftists got together and said, you shouldn't eat meat on a Monday because it's bad for the environment. Something about social justice and, and people have bought into this. Cities have bought into this. My beloved Indianapolis, Indianapolis, Indiana, and maybe your city as well, bought, bought into this years ago, and they passed a resolution uh, about this. Uh, they're going to have Meatless Monday. Now, if you've never been to downtown Indianapolis, the amount of steakhouses, like the famous St. Elmo's Steakhouse, uh, oddly enough, famous for its shrimp cocktail, but it's an, ex- oh, it's an experiential place. It is just so old school, great experience. And I say this clearly, there are better steaks in America. Uh, but experience is it's it's stellar and the steak is fine. Uh, it's just it's just it's just great. There are so many places burgers. Uh, oh my gosh, so many good spots to get a burger. And here is here is is Indianapolis saying don't eat meat on a Monday. So years ago, uh, doing I do mornings in in Indianapolis. Uh, I started every Monday. We celebrate Meatless Monday, and I would highlight a steak place, and I would play. And I, I, I still do it. I still do it to this day. I play this song. Cooking a steak, wouldn't it be great? You could be my mate. Cooking a steak, 
for goodness sake, will you please be my mate and come and cook a steak? Steak. And then I remind people what Meatless Monday is and how the uh, council there, the city council in Indianapolis, is a bunch of of, of ridiculous uh, ridiculous children. And then we'd highlight a different restaurant every week. We've been doing it for years. Well, now here comes the UN. The UN wants in on this. Your problem is you eat food and that creates emissions and emissions are bad. So therefore, wait for it, food is bad. Well, Tony, they're just saying that if we had less of it, it would be, you have less of it. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm not going to tell anybody to have less of it. Just as a matter of clarity, we have dominion over the cows. I don't care if the people of PETA like it or not. I'm not telling them they have to eat a cow. I'm saying we have dominion over the cows. Now, if if you object to that, that's fine. You can object to that. You can object to reality from now until the end of time. Knock yourself out. Go ahead. We have dominion over the cows and over the chickens and over the turkeys, over the venison. We have dominion. Now, we also have dominion over the crickets. And if you want to eat crickets, my advice to you is find something that you can dip them in. OMG. Are you kidding me right now? I, I am not. I can't imagine eating just, you know, Crickets with no dipping sauce. It's going to be right there next to Raising Cane's, Raising Crickets. You want to eat a cricket? Eat a cricket. I'm not here to tell you how to live. Why are you telling me how to live? Because your absolute obsession with global warming that you've been wrong about for decades and climate change that you've been lying about for decades has got you to the point where somehow I shouldn't feed my family, kiss off. And that's exactly what you're going to hear from third world countries that are told that somehow they can't feed their starving kids because some first world or freak child living in Manhattan thinks it's wrong that you're putting out any level of emissions at all, which is really what they oppose. See, your existence is the emission. They're never really honest about their desires, are they? Eat steak. Enjoy. This is Tony Katz today. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. 
We have been asking the wrong question, everybody. We have not been focused on the people and things that matter in times like these. And there are times like these. You better believe it. These are the dark times. These are the rough times. And we have never once asked ourselves in this time of concern, in this time of worry, you know what we've never asked ourselves? We've never asked ourselves, what does Stevie Wonder think? Oh, it starts off really slow. I forget that. There it is. See, I should have started from there. It would have been much better. But it's Stevie. Why aren't we asking ourselves what Stevie Wonder has to think about the world today? What, are we all nuts? Very superstitious. Writings on the wall. Stevie Wonder has a lot to offer. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. He has a lot to offer Tony Katz. He has a lot to offer you too. Just the way I said that was pretty funny. This is a real thing that happened in the White House briefing room. A question that's asked by April Ryan. Now, April Ryan, if you don't remember her, she made it her personal mission to take on Donald Trump. It was it was her and Jim Acosta. Fighting the good fight. And she was with PBS, and then she had a job with NBC. And then um, I think she's with the Grio now, which is, I think, part of NBC. And she's there in the White House briefing. She is wearing a mask. If you want to understand the level of virtue signaling going on here. And this is the question. I had an in-depth conversation with Stevie Wonder last night. Who is asking, requesting okay. a meeting with the president? He's very concerned about the black agenda falling along the wayside and issues like laws of 50 years ago that are now being abolished or gutted to include issues like... Hold on. First, April Ryan was having an in-depth conversation, just a little bit of a name drop. With Stevie Wonder? Very superstitious. Let us not Does he not have anybody better to talk to? He's Stevie Wonder. That guy can get an audience. He needs to, through April Ryan, approach Corinne Jean-Pierre about getting a meeting with Joe Biden? Okay. The Voting Rights Act, what happened in Arkansas last week, uh, affirmative action, Supreme Court, as you've seen it, ban on books, and he's also even brought up issues of the Congo and the lack of information from the White House. Is the White House amenable to sitting down with Stevie Wonder, who has met with presidents, um, throughout history to include Ronald Reagan. He was one of the major impetus for getting the holiday for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And also he was one of those who worked with President Obama in his 
efforts to become president. Is this president amenable to meeting with Stevie Wonder, who has these concerns? I'm only asking, um, is this is this the question that one asks at the White House briefing? That's weird, right? On a scale of one to weird, that's weird, right? You didn't say, hey, um, I happened to have dinner with Stevie Wonder last night. Yeah, I know. It was awesome. Uh, he'd like a few minutes with the president. Uh, here's his info. Can we get this done? You ask that question right there. I was taken by that as a display of, of, of two things. Uh, first, uh, there are other things happening in the world other than, you know, uh, Hamas Israel, other than the southern border, which is still the southern border, just for the sake of clarity, is still the single biggest story in America. Cannot be denied. Speaking of. It also doesn't address the other sort of uh, elephant in the room, which is dealing with the undocumented uh, immigrants who are already here in the nation. And I know it's been a political football as to trying to figure out the best way to address that. But I'm going to ask you, what is the best way to address that from your perspective? The answer is quite clear and quite straightforward, and we've been waiting for it for about 30 years. And that is to fix a system that everyone agrees is fundamentally broken, and we need congressional action, both for uh, the lawful pathways uh, that really need to be more robust in statute, and for the 12 million people who are here in the United States who have been contributing so fundamentally to our country's well-being. There are neighbors, our friends, our fellow congregants, uh, they provide our, our frontline workers. Uh, we need to do something, and I, I am hopeful and remain hopeful that Congress will do it. The president, on his first day in office, mm-hmm. presented Congress with a proposal. Is that Alejandro Mayorkas calling for amnesty? You have 12 million people here, and there are friends, and this, he's calling for amnesty, isn't he? This, this is how we're going to fix the border. By letting people who got into the country illegally uh, stay, become citizens, voting. And there's a whole conversation about whether or not they'd really vote for Democrats, which something Democrats should be fully aware of. But still, this is nonsense. This isn't how you fix the problem. This is how you sweep the problem under the rug. And there's going to be no amnesty conversation until you fix the border itself and you fix the policies therein. The border is still the biggest story in America, unless, of course, you're having a conversation with April Ryan. And never mind the fact that you thought that this was an acceptable thing to bring up. Like, this is, you know, if you wanted to bring up other issues. Now, I don't know what is meant by black agenda. I really don't. You mean progressive uh, uh, agenda. And certainly, if you want to discuss things happening in other parts of the globe, like the Congo, I think you would ask that question, what with you being a reporter and being in the room? But 
even I, who has no admiration for Corinne Jean-Pierre at all, thinks she's very bad at what she does, look at this and say, that's a weird thing to do to Corinne Jean-Pierre, putting her on the, on the spot like this, don't you think? meeting with Stevie Wonder, who has these concerns. And, and you're right, April, what you just laid out in your question is incredibly important. Uh, and so we take that very, very seriously here. Can I just say a couple things about Stevie Wonder? He is an, indeed an icon who's made tremendous, uh, tremendous contributions to the civil rights movement and also voting rights. What? You know what? I, I, I take it back. I guess it's a very acceptable thing to do to to do to do to Corinne Jean Pierre. I I cannot wait for a reporter to say, so I happened to be sharing a J with Kid Rock yesterday. And uh and um well you see uh Kid Rock has got a lot of things um that that are concerning him and and, and he and he's worried about and, and what he would like what he'd like to do is is, is have a he'd like to have a, a one-on-one meeting with 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 President Biden to discuss you know the state of Bud Light and and really really why it is that when he uh, gets stuff from his dispensary there's 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 all these seeds right why why are there all these the these seeds going on it doesn't make any sense whatsoever you know it's it, it's it's wrong and so he he's very concerned so if so if president biden could just sit down with, with kid rock for a little while Same thing, right? No? Yeah. I'm sorry. I I did not know 2023 could get this messed up. It's weirder than I thought. Am I the only one who thinks that April Ryan is out of her mind? And the wearing of the mask, that's, that's what makes it great. Wearing of the mask in the White House briefing room in 2023... Man, there is nothing more virtue signaling, I'm scared of everything, than that moment. <sighs> By the way, if, if uh, Biden was smart, he'd meet with uh, Stevie Wonder and uh, Kid Rock at the same time. That's, that's how you bring people together. That's unity. I'm Tony Katz. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Sports Illustrated allegedly used AI to write articles and then created bylines that were also AI generated. 
so this this is the allegation that articles were written by artificial intelligence and then Sports Illustrated created bylines and photos of the supposed authors with artificial intelligence. So the people aren't real. They were generated by AI to cover for the articles that were written by AI. Now, Sports Illustrated is denying it. They're blaming a third party, Tony Katz. No, they're not blaming me. I'm just saying who I am. Tony Katz today. That's the show. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. So this, this group Futurism, it was a, I think it's a site. And they published screenshots from the website at Sports Illustrated that shows fabricated author profiles. With a profile picture that appears to link back to a website that sells AI-generated headshots. I don't. Can I tell you, uh, the future of talk radio has never been better. Because I don't know how you AI this. Honestly, how do you AI Levin? How, how do you AI Hugh Hewitt? How would you AI Shapiro? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you would do it. Could you AI people who do music radio? Yeah, you could, I think. Because it's it's bump. It's it's probably something that could be done. How do you AI uh commentary and response and connection? I don't think I that's a much tougher one to to get accomplished. But this ties into a really interesting piece by Dan McLaughlin over at National Review regarding uh, where sports is right now. And how so much of what people get is, you know, they, they, they want a box score. Just give them the basics. Tell me what the contract is. Done. And that can be done very, very simply. That's a very low cost and therefore low uh, profit margin opportunity. It's hard to monetize that. What you, what you get to monetize is, is detailed commentary from people you know, like, and trust, etc. But... Is this showing that in, in that world, if it's just the basics of the game, pick the game, you could just ask a, a computer to, to pump that out and then print it, you're good. Because it just is the basics and no one actually cares about that anyway. That's a pretty rough thing to say about the sports guys. Now, I will say in my defense, uh, I'm pretty rough on the sports guys. Because far too many of them like to get involved in the political and they really and truly suck at it. Not everyone, but far too many. They think because they have an opinion, and if you just say it really loud, then then it's good. And that's not the way it works. And this is true of guys on the left, because there's a ton of the sports guys on the left, and even those on the right. It's not the same. It's it, it, it's not. There has to be some kind of basis uh, to the thing. But they all love getting into the sport, uh, in, in, into the politics. They love it. They adore it. That's why I spend so much time getting in on the sports because I'm not I'm not ceding the territory uh, to these people. Uh, the vast majority of which I have very little respect for. I shouldn't say vast majority. The vast majority I don't know. Uh, some I have very little respect for, and others I think are doing solid jobs, and you see them and they're successful. That's a crazy story about AI and about Sports Illustrated. 
Sports Illustrated Union publishing a statement saying it was horrified by the report and demanded transparency from the Arena Group, which is the parent company of Sports Illustrated. So things may get really weird really quick. And it now leads to another question. Well, if Sports Illustrated is doing this, if Sports Illustrated is doing this, who else is doing this? Who else is is uh, engaging content that isn't actual, but rather computer generated? And how many people is it fooling? Wait till journalists learn about this. Meanwhile, Corinne Jean-Pierre, oh, we go back to her. She was asked a, a rather unique question. And I suspect if we pulled the room, many of us would probably ask some version of the following question. Okay. Given the president's sagging poll numbers and the fact that he is currently placing behind any Republican opponent, has there been any talk in this White House about a change in strategy or staffing going forward in reflection of those numbers to continue to show him underwater? No. First... I don't know how many people would be asking that question. Is there about to be a shakeup? Secondly, the look on Corinne Jean-Pierre's face when she goes, no. No, there's going to be no shakeup. I play you that and connect it to this. No labels in 2024 to torment the Biden coalition. Now, the no labels people are the people who believe that you can win the middle. That you can win the middle. I, I put forth to you that everybody says they're in the middle, but they don't actually know what that means. It's like people who claim that they're centrist. You know, I, I like to play it down the middle. I, I like to I like to understand. I like to hear both sides of the conversation. Well, that's great. So do I. Then you know what happens? One side is right and one side is wrong. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. That's interesting. But the vast majority of times, someone's right and someone's wrong. So the idea of I play it down the middle is cop-out kind of stuff. But this is a story about how the unity ticket, to the extent that there will be one, whether Mitt Romney is involved in that or not, uh, Joe Manchin, et cetera, they'll have ballot access in 15 states by the end of the year and 34 by next spring. Oh, you think that someone could come in as a third-party spoiler and take away some votes. You think it's just enough to take away to give whoever the Republican nominee is, uh, very possibly uh, Trump, unless he goes to jail, in which case possibly somebody else. Um, You think that it'll just hand them victory because these no-label folks are going to grab Democrats who are disillusioned with Joe Biden. So this is a an admission from the Biden folk that their own party is starting to cannibalize and fracture and isn't wholly behind him. Well, don't you worry about a thing, kitten. Because this is the Democratic Party. And if at the convention if at the convention they decide to replace Joe Biden with Gavin Newsom, they'll do it. They won't worry about what the primary said. They're not going to worry about having to run somebody. They'll change it at the convention. This is the Democrats. They do what they do. You know it better than I do. This is Tony Katz today. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. peculiar intellectualism that has taken place regarding Hamas, regarding Israeli response, regarding the taking of hostages. Man, there's a tremendous amount of wordplay going on. And the reason that it is important to go over, it is important to share and discuss, it's because it is because it's how they believe they can play you. And certainly uh, the way they want to play younger generations to a Pavlovian response. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. And the Pavlovian response is Israel bad, as opposed to what is the policy, what do we think of it? You know, it, it, I got reminded there's a, a piece by Michael Walsh over at the pipeline, the-pipeline.org, where he's talking about F. Scott Fitzgerald, who he has no regard for whatsoever. Uh, and Fitzgerald's line uh, that um, you know the the key to a to a, 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 a smart person is that they can hold two contrary thoughts in, in their head without going mad. Right, I'm paraphrasing there. And Michael Walsh's point is that's not the mark of a genius or of an intellect. That's the mark of the most basic. That's like a nine year old. Of course, you should be able to have two contrary thoughts in your head. You should be able to keep a multiplicity of things in, in your head. It is possible to accept the idea that a country doesn't do everything perfectly. It's a far cry from whether or not the country gets to exist. These are two different things. And so when people say, well, you know, they're just criticizing Israel. They're not actually anti-Semites. Take a look at what their goal and desire is, and it will tell you what's what. Why would somebody not recognize what a terrorist organization is? What is the win in that? And why would one conflate Israeli response with terrorism? Well, that's exactly what Piers Morgan did. Piers Morgan, on his show, uh, Piers Morgan Uncensored, out of the UK, absolutely does this by referring to a tweet that he put out in 2014. Let me share this with you. This is dangerous territory for Israel. It has a rapidly narrowing window of legitimacy in Gaza. President Biden is under pressure from his supporters to speed up the end of the fighting. And America won't accept a prolonged occupation. Israel told Palestinians to move south in Gaza to escape the bombing. Now it says it'll bomb the south too. This bloodshed cannot continue without proof there's a plan beyond the total destruction of Gaza. I've been picked up this weekend by people reminding me of tweets from 2014. Back then, Israel launched a massive bombardment of Gaza in response to the murder of three Israeli teenagers in the West Bank. What happened? I'm asked. Why did I change my position? Well, I haven't changed my position. Israel committed atrocities in 2014, in my estimation. It was a completely disproportionate response to what had happened. It looked more like revenge to me than a military strategy. And President Obama told them to call it off. 
Well, during that bombardment, I asked at what point does Israel's current military strategy become the very terrorism it professes to be fighting? And today, I'm beginning to ask myself that exact same question. Well, allow me, uh, Piers Morgan, that's taking the side of Hamas. It is a strange statement, in, in a series of, of strange statements. And the statements are strange because they're predicated on the idea that this is what's going on. It's predicated on the idea that this is the standard way things go. Let's start from the beginning. This is dangerous territory for Israel. It has a rapidly narrowing window of legitimacy in Gaza. Why is there a rapidly narrowing window of legitimacy in Gaza? What does that, what does that mean? Says who? Says who? The people who support Hamas? The Israelis don't think that. A lot of people around the globe don't think that. What is this conversation that there's a window of legitimacy that's closing? Now, I get that that's opinion, but what is that opinion based on? Your, 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 your feelings of what's right and what's wrong? A nation gets attacked, and here comes a pretty popular host on TV to say, oh, you only have so much time. You only have so much time to respond. That's not how any of this works. What, what are we talking about? Israel could take as much time as it wants. It could take decades. It could take hours. Why, why is there a window of legitimacy? And if you are, if we go back to his end statements right here. Well, during that bombardment, I asked at what point does Israel's current military strategy become the very terrorism it professes to be fighting? And today, I'm beginning to ask myself that exact same question so is there any legitimacy at all you just said that israel is guilty of terrorism and you started by saying that the window of legitimacy is closing what am i looking at here and that's how you're able to start breaking apart the i the idea the difference between rational thought and irrational problem the 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 the, the desperation for, for, for just making a statement uh, that, that shows one to be intellectual when, it, when it's not. Of course, Piers Morgan is wrong here on every single level. But this has been occurring in, in quite a few places. And the reason to bring it up is not to tell you you have to feel a certain way. I don't get to decide how you feel. If you ask me, Hamas is a terrorist organization that has to be destroyed. Israel has the right to exist and to defend itself. I have stated to you before that I'm a Zionist. I have not changed in that at all. I believe in Israel's right to exist and right to defend itself, and I am unworried about what people think of me. I will never lie to you. I will share with you exactly where I'm at. This is an MSNBC host who um, is speaking with Jen Psaki, and about how he's been doing this good reporting regarding the Qataris uh, and how their role in the negotiation. You understand that Hamas leaders, are, they live in, in Doha. They live in Qatar. And they, they're billionaires. Oh, they've got the money. The people in, in Gaza, they suffer. But these guys, they got it going on. Listen. So according to the uh, sources I've been speaking to, Jen, um, when this conflict broke out, when the attack happened on October 7th, the terrorist attack against Israel happened on October 7th, um, it was clear from that moment that Qatar was going to play an important role 
for one very simple reason, that Hamas's leadership, its political leadership, resides right now in Doha. So they were able to gather the leaders of Hamas there uh, and begin to speak to them about what had happened, what they knew about these hostages, uh, and more importantly, why they wanted to take uh, these civilian hostages. And from that moment on, it became clear that the chaotic situation that unfolded after October 7th uh, included many layers of information that I think we are still learning about. Who kidnapped all of the hostages? Who is responsible for them? Which Palestinian faction had them under their control? Uh, and as the Qataris began to assess that information, relay to the Americans, relay to counterparts they were talking to uh, inside Israel, uh, it was clear that Hamas was willing to release some of these hostages, certainly the civilian hostages, that it said it had no interest in, in keeping. And so the pressure began to mount uh, from the Qataris with the Americans on the Israelis as to whether or not the priority of the operation, the military operation of going into Gaza, was going to be about releasing the hostages or, as they claimed, to try and destroy Hamas. And it seemed certainly to the negotiators that those odds in the beginning were uh, somewhat uh, contradictory, that if you really wanted to release the hostages, as had been demonstrated, there was going to be this attempt, as the uh, as the military wing of Hamas showed, they were willing to release the civilians without any precondition. So can we take a moment to recognize what an odd grouping of statements that is? That Hamas took civilians, kidnapped civilians, but they didn't actually have an interest in civilian hostages? That's, that's the wording that he used. That's the wording that he used. The Qataris uh, began to assess that information related to the Americans, related to counterparts that were talking to inside Israel. It was clear that Hamas was willing to release some of the hostages, certainly the civilian hostages that it had no interest in keeping. If Hamas had no interest in keeping the hostages, why didn't they just release the hostages? Why did they take the hostages to begin with? What do you mean they had no interest in the civilians? Did they have an interest in the civilians that they raped and, 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 and murdered? The entirety of that phraseology. But listen to how lofty it sounds. Oh, understand how important it was. And really, the pressure had to be put on Israel. The pressure had to be put on whom now? How in the world is this in any way a conversation? And then to end it, with this uh from the countries with the americans on the israelis as to whether or not the priority of the operation the military operation of going into gaza was going to be about releasing the hostages or as they claimed to try and destroy hamas and it seemed certainly to the negotiators that those odds in the beginning were uh, somewhat uh contradictory that if you really wanted to release the hostages as had been demonstrated there was going to be this attempt as the uh, as the military wing of hamas showed they were willing to release the civilians without any preconditions. What are you talking about? Why is it somehow Israel's responsibility to show, were they interested in this or interested in that? What if they were interested in both? Why is it an either or? I'm interested in getting my people back and I'm interested in destroying Hamas. Again, take a look at how they try to, to play this. The pseudo-intellectualism. And the word manipulation, it's, I get it, it's hard to break it down to its component pieces, but here's two different conversations uh, taking place where once you break it down, you realize that this is madness.
absolute madness. And so why do I bring it up? Because it's not to have the conversation regarding Israel and Hamas. No, 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 no. Certainly, you can listen to Elon Musk, who was just there for a visit and was meeting with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. It was uh, certainly been um, a day, I would say an emotionally difficult day uh, to see the places where people were murdered. I just did a talk with uh, the Prime Minister, and um, I think there's, I mean, obviously there are three things that need to happen uh, in, in the Gaza situation. I mean, there's no choice but to kill those who insist on uh, murdering civilians. There's exactly. no choice. Um, they're not going to change their mind. But And then the second thing is to change the, the education so that an, a new generation of, of murderers is not trained to be murderers. And then, the, and then the third thing, which is also very important, is to try to build prosperity. Well, you have no issue with me there wanting to build prosperity. And you have an entire group of people that is hell-bent on destruction of Israel and the killing of Jews. It's in their charter. Uh, it's, it's them or you. What's, what's your plan? I bring these things up, though, the, the Piers Morgan stuff, the stuff from MSNBC. You listen to how they say it, and then you got to go back and hear it again. Break it down for what it is, and you'll recognize the absurdity of arguments. And in that, absurdity you start to learn and recognize the objective and in both these cases whether it was Piers Morgan or whether it was this guy on this host on on MSNBC you see if Israel would just you see what Israel is doing is the problem Israel and you start learning where their real feelings are that's important stuff to know I'm Tony Katz this is Tony Katz today As I have stated more than once, I have serious concerns that Donald Trump can win the general election. And I know he shows up at the, the, the South Carolina, that was the South Carolina Clemson game, and he's getting this massive applause. And I can show you polling that shows him beating Joe Biden, but I can show polling that has DeSantis beating Joe Biden, and I can show polling that has Nikki Haley beating Joe Biden. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? And of course, you've got the reality that Trump may very well go to jail. I'm not saying he should, but this could happen. And how does this affect? How does this affect uh, the 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 race? And I've got more to say about this. Uh, but I, I am I am always interested by endorsements and and when they come and whether or not they should come. And so uh, this was interesting that Americans for Prosperity endorsed Nikki Haley today. Now, as you know, I do videos and I do work uh, where that is sponsored by Americans for Prosperity. I've done work with them for years. I have a whole border week thing coming up, um, talking to uh, their experts and others, uh, border patrol uh, sector chiefs and, and, and things like that about what we're seeing, what's happening, and where some of these policy ideas need to, need to be in a myriad of places. So I, I do a, a fair amount. Uh, and and I I got to tell you, I saw this endorsement today and I was like, oh, holy hell. Why are you endorsing in a presidential? They endorsed in the Indiana gubernatorial. And I'm like, 
Uh, that's weird. Uh, they endorsed Mike Braun for, for, for governor. A gubernatorial race is different than a presidential. And Nikki Haley, just a couple weeks ago, was saying that people shouldn't be allowed to be anonymous online. And uh, AFP is very big into free speech. So that also didn't make much sense to me. Uh, if Nikki Haley is the nominee, I'm going to vote for her over Joe Biden. And so are you. And that's that. I'm not anti-Nikki Haley. I think she was just so wrong and out of left field on this free speech conversation and the anonymous stuff online. She was wrong. She should have said, "I made that was wrong of me. That was a terrible idea. I apologize. That would have been a lot better. It would have been a much more focused conversation because she was just wrong. I won't stop saying so. She was wrong. It's weird that that would be the person that would then get from a free speech organization uh, the nomination. But they see other things. Uh, it's, it's quite obviously. Now, I have no inside knowledge uh, on this stuff, but I think that there is a conversation regarding PATH and the buying into the idea. Certainly, uh, I, I see it that Trump cannot win a general. There are too many things in his way. It doesn't matter if the guy is up by 60 points in some polls, which he is. It matters if you can win. And I can't believe we still have to have this conversation. It matters if you can win. And they must have come to the conclusion that he can't. And they're going to go with somebody who they believe is best equipped to beat Joe Biden. So I understand that. But man, do we have a disagreement here on whether or not I would have done the endorsement. Oh, do we? Um, I wanted to let you know I will never hide anything from you. That I'm, I've got a public disagreement on whether or not I would have done the endorsement. That much is true. I think the organization does a lot of good work. This one, I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. But maybe sometimes it's okay. We'll find out soon enough. This is Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Kids should not be into politics. Kids should not be used for your politics. And I, I will admit to you that regardless of your side of the aisle, I do not understand the people who in their homes, 24-7, 365, are running cable news. I don't get that at all. Don't you, don't you get driven mad? Don't you want a break? And who's in the house with you? Are, your kid is subjected to a 24-7 diet of MSNBC or CNN or Fox? It's just... There's no way that's healthy, right? There's no way that's good for you. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The book, Let's Go Barbecue. Recipes, tips, and tales from the pit. We released that Father's Day. Perfect for Christmas. It is the Christmas gift that keeps on giving. Let's Go BBQ. Available at Amazon.com. I, I bring this up because of this story regarding Moms for Liberty. Let me say it again. Moms for Liberty is not the problem. Moms for Liberty is not a terrorist group. Moms for Liberty is not a hate group. The people who say so are ridiculous. What they want 
is they want to have total control over the education system in America. And how dare you think that you should have a say in what happens? This is clearly the argument. This is what's going on. Moms for Liberty as a hate group is laughable. There have been groups uh, within that uh, organization that, uh, that have made mistakes. I'm not going to say no to that. I'll, I'll clearly say yes to that. But mistakes are just that. The idea that as a group of people, they're wrong for wanting to know what's happening in their kids' education. Well, the people opposed to Moms for Liberty, I think, are the real enemy. And I mean enemy in, in that way. If you oppose parents having a say in their kids' education, that is the the headspace of the enemy. That somehow the parents should be cleaved from the child. That, to me, is an enemy thought process. It's an enemy thought process because you're saying that the parents' rights end after birth, which, uh, for many of these people, you want to decide whether it happens in the first place. But it, that's what you're saying. After that, your job is to breed and move on. We, the state, will take care of the rest. And very often you hear this from the education folk because they claim that the parent is not qualified. Well, I argue that the training for education clearly has developed a massive amount of unqualified people. Because you have the degree in education does not make you qualified to be a teacher. If you're somebody who believes that you should be able to bring your pronouns to the classroom, you're not qualified to bring to be a teacher. If you're somebody who believes that certain flags of political persuasions as opposed to just the American flag should fly in your classroom, you're not somebody prepared to be a teacher. If you're somebody who believes that you should be sharing your innermost uh, details, fantasies, stories, lives with students as opposed to educating them, you're not prepared to be a teacher. You're not qualified to be a teacher. It doesn't matter that you have a degree. This is exactly the problem we see with higher education is that the degree is utilized as a shield and a cudgel. You can't argue with me. I have a degree from so-and-so. So what? Do you think the degree from Harvard really matters anymore? Now, two months ago, I would have said something different. Two months ago, I pushed my own kid. You should, you should apply to Harvard. Dad, you do not want me going to Harvard. True. True, but if you get in, uh, you've got the degree, you'll be able to do anything because people still feel that way. That was before October 7th, before the Hamas terrorist attack on Israel and before uh, Harvard and Columbia and the others showed themselves to be these Jew-hating bigots who won't tell their students, hey, you could say these things, but understand that you're wrong. Hamas is a terrorist organization and Israel has the right to exist. They wouldn't say that. As a matter of fact, professors said to the university after pressure, how dare you say that to the students? They can, they can understand. They know that, that Israel is, is the oppressor because, of course, they're not teaching and engaging in education. They're engaging in Marxism, which is, again, a reason why the degree doesn't necessarily mean an expertise based on what it is they're being taught. Now, this is all about, of course, a... a uh, a failure of the system, and our lack of faith in, in the system. But focusing on education just for a moment, having a degree does not make one an expert. If you believe the parent should be extricated from the situation, which is the education of the child, you're not an expert. You're the enemy. I shouldn't say you. They're the enemy. Much better. Moms for Liberty got a package in the mail. And the Moms for Liberty people received a package from the Seattle School District. And it included a letter. And the letter uh, 
asked Moms for Liberty to read the cards that were included in this package, quote, from concerned middle school students in Seattle, Washington. Is that right? The letter was from Ann Christensen. She's a social studies teacher in the school staff directory, but she's also the GSA coordinator. Now, GSA is the Gay Straight Alliance, and there is no doubt in my mind, and there are conversations galore about this, that the Gay Straight Alliance is utilized as a way of pushing politically into kids' lives. It is utilized as a tool to engage confusion, but mostly, uh, I, I, I would argue, and people could disagree with this point, uh, it's, it's to push things politically. Without question. Politically to the political left, of, of course. Uh, and to decide that anything on the political right is fascism or whatever it is that, that gets said uh, any, any day of the week. The letters from the concerned middle school students included messages like LGBTQ rights are human rights, gay is slay, stop being a rat, and love is love. So what happened here is that this teacher, along with others, looked at middle school students and said, we can use them as both a weapon and a shield. And for that, I would fire the teacher and anybody who participated. When I say that just because you have a degree in education doesn't mean that you're qualified, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Because a degree in education should also come with some understanding that children are not there for your political purposes. Also, they're not your kids. This is the, 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 the toughest one because teachers for forever have been referring to kids as their students. They've been referring to kids as their students because it, it was a sense of pride and and they're they're focused on on educating these kids and 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 really helping these kids become better people and i i absolutely agree they took it as a as a moment of pride without question um uh as something uh, that was lofty it was a goal right to to feel that connection with the students what is what it has become is this belief that somehow uh, that the teacher is the parent and more important than the parent uh is superior to the parent uh, and and has to be because the parent isn't qualified isn't educated isn't good enough you know it's probably a bigot and therefore i say to you without any reservation that an education degree is simply not enough that is not proof of qualification and in this case, using children, middle schoolers, as an attack vehicle and as a shield from any response is so despicable that not only should the teacher be fired, but whoever is in charge of the social studies program in the middle school should be fired, just as a lesson to everybody else. Kids are not weapons. And you shouldn't subject your kids to your politics. I do this for a living. And you guys know I do six hours a day and I do some TV stuff and I do all the podcast stuff. I do, I'm, I'm talking all the time. I don't do this with my kids. The rule in our house, and first of all, there is no cable news in the house. We don't even have cable. There's no cable news on in the house running 24-7. That is a nutty way to live. Um, the rule in, 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 in the house is, is that you do not have to believe what I believe. You do not have to believe what I believe at all. What you have to be able to do 
is back up what you believe. You have to be able to explain yourself and your position. I was having a conversation with my oldest yesterday to which we were talking about Marvel movies and how everything has gone to pot in the world of Marvel. It's just a big hot mess. And my oldest was arguing that they simply put out too much content. I argued that the content that they put out failed to recognize the audience and they went into all these other woke categories and all these other uh, uh, progressive uh, namesake ideas as opposed to good filmmaking. My oldest said that might be, but the problem is they decided to launch everything on on Disney Plus. They got out of the movie business and then they forced you to have Disney Plus to understand the movies. And then they put five different, six different shows together and then four different movies to try and bring you back to some kind of understandable timeline. And it was simply too much for people. My oldest didn't back down from my conversation. My oldest brought data and explanation to why they believe what they believe. And I said, that's a dang good point. Because it was. And I think we would agree with it. And we could also argue, well, it's a bit from column A and a bit from column B. Both things could be true. But the idea that, okay, here is is my take and here's why I have my take, meaning here's how I back up what I believe. Man, that's everything. That's it. That's where it's at. And personally, I think that that's where you should want your kid to be. Agreeing with me just because I'm dad, because I do this for a living? That's nonsense. That is a ridiculous idea. You got to have your own mind. You got to have your own thoughts. Now, does this mean, let's say you are going to go to some uh, uh, Independence Day event or you're going to go to a pro-Israel rally? Yeah, of course you could take your kid. I'm not arguing that you don't want to expose them to things and share things and why you believe what you believe. That's extremely important. But that's your kid. In this case, none of these kids belong to the teacher. The teacher is given the unbelievable opportunity via the respect of the parents to help educate the child. And instead, the teacher used the kid as a weapon and a shield to move a political ideology. Fire the teacher, fire the supervisor. But also, let's make sure these kids understand how wrong they are. Now, uh, children... I've said this before, I'll say it again, should be seen and not heard. That is absolutely true. To an extent, I like when we have uh, family dinners and friends over and there are adults asking questions and there's adult conversation that the kids are are, are listening to because they learn how to engage it's it's extremely important and they need to see that they need to be around that they need to be uh, they need to feel that so they 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 know how the how how it works. And that there might be other thoughts and ideas. You don't have to react to that idea. Just think about it and be like, oh, I agree. Oh, I disagree. Wait, what does that mean? And ask questions later, all that kind of stuff. Extremely important. But the reason we don't let children make decisions is because they're kids. They don't know what the hell they're doing. In this case, if you're writing a letter that says LGBTQ rights are human rights, you should be told respectfully, child, Uh, You don't know what that means because nobody does. What does that mean that they're human rights? 
And and is there some other kind of right that somebody who's gay has that 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 somebody who's straight doesn't have? And why would you be okay with some people having rights and some people not having rights? Why would that not be considered the most bigoted of ideas? And also, when we're talking about LGBTQ, forget the Q, the questioning thing. The issue here is the T, because no one's talking about the L, the G, or the B. But the idea that a boy could say they're a girl or a girl could say they're a boy, well, they can say it, but it's not true. And we should make sure that we throw teachers out of the classroom and out of education as a whole if they say that it is true because it's a lie. I'm sorry the teacher lied to you, student, but boys will never be girls and girls will never be boys. They can feel a certain way. They can think a certain way. They can dress a certain way. They can act a certain way. But in reality, boys will never be girls and girls will never be boys. And the idea of LGBTQ rights are human rights. That's to believe in subset groups. No, no, no. We are covered in the United States by the Constitution. I don't know what human rights are. I know what the Constitution is. And no one is above the law. Gay is slay. Stop being a rat. I had to ask a, a Gen Zer. Uh, stop being a rat. Stop being a jerk, I think is what it means. And slay, wonderful, terrific, awesome. Um, so when you say gay is slay, are you saying that people should say that they're gay because that way they can uh, think of themselves as awesome and other people think of them as awesome? How about the idea of, uh, you know what, I'm not gay, but that's cool. You are gay and that's fine and that's it. Why is this, the, why, why the exaltation? Seems pretty weird. Seems to be something you would be opposed to if some other group tried to exalt the, themselves. It just seems to me, middle schooler, that you haven't thought about these things, which is okay because you're in middle school. Of course you haven't thought about these things. Or or the teacher uh, here who thinks it's okay to abuse middle schoolers through this uh, told you to write this. As a matter of fact, who knows if the teacher didn't write these things, her damn self. And then most importantly, love is love. Now, this is the one. This is the one that's so incredibly, incredibly important to 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 get into. Because Lin-Manuel Miranda first said this, uh, Grammys, I think it was, or maybe it was the Tonys, love is love is love is an acceptance speech. Uh, love is not love. Lin-Manuel Miranda was wrong. Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, Into the Heights, uh, Hamilton, that Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, he's wrong. Love is not love. A 35-year-old saying they love a 14-year-old is not love. That is abuse, and that should be met with force. It's not love. Uh, whatever you want to call it, it is not love. And to allow it is not love, to allow it is vicious hate. To allow children to be abused is vicious, vicious hate. There's a guy out there who beats his wife. Sadly, this happens. And you know what he says? But I love her. Is love love? I rest my case. It was that easy to explain. So why is it that we keep seeing this nonsense of love is love? Do you think that the teacher is qualified to educate your kids when teaching children that kind of claptrap, sloganeering nonsense to move a political uh, agenda against a group of moms who wants to actually ensure that their kids are educated properly and not indoctrinated by the crap they just got mailed to them? All I know is this story, I think, should bring another 10,000 moms to Moms for Liberty. 
Moms for Liberty is right. And these so-called educators who buy into this nonsense and engage this bigotry and do this to middle schoolers, they don't deserve a place in our society. They could be on the fringes, screaming to the wind. Seems to me Moms for Liberty is in the right. And it seems to me that Seattle parents better keep an eye on what the hell the teachers are doing, you know, for their kids. I'm Tony Katz. Curious to see how everybody's Cyber Monday went, or really how Black Friday went, how all of the spending went. You had Black Friday, you had Small Business Saturday, you had uh, the, uh, the whatchamacallit, the Cyber Monday. Did we see more spending? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, what's going on, everybody? And is the more spending because things are more expensive or because actual more, actually more goods got um, uh, sold? It was uh, the New York Times that put out uh, the, the piece uh, there's a lot riding on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. The White House and economists will be closely watching the annual shopping events for insight into what the data says about the state of the consumer, which I have argued the state of the consumer is um, they're shell-shocked. They're, everything is just so much more expensive. But I also have stated, this is anecdotal, of course, the shopping I've seen for years is unbelievable. Restaurants are full and, and the stores are full. As gets pointed out to me by economist Dr. Matt Will, who we have often on the show, well, one of the reasons restaurants are full is because restaurants closed up during COVID and some of them never reopened. So you have less places to go. Well, that's that, that's true. I also uh, note that I got Chinese food on Sunday for the family. Uh, we just wanted a break from the Thanksgiving stuff and all the leftovers were gone because uh, I can make a brisket like nobody's business uh, and uh, it was uh, for four people and there were some egg rolls and some soup and it was a hundred dollars how in the world do you make sense of it all and then you learn that the TSA the transportation safety authority you know the blue glove that checks you out at the airport uh, had its most screenings ever on Sunday so people were flying what to make of this economy we're gonna keep working on this keep covering it in every way i'm tony katz this is tony katz today life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Not everyone is lost when it comes to understanding that Hamas is the enemy of free and thinking people, that Hamas is a terrorist organization that has to be destroyed, and that the issue here regarding what's happening in Israel is because Hamas is a terrorist organization that wants all Jews gone. People do get it. It's just been amazing for many how many haters there are out there. 
they'll look the other way about what Hamas did and scream oppressors uh, about Israel because everything has been reduced to Marxism. And they'll go out, we have to block the Manhattan Bridge in New York and with signs that say free Palestine, but they don't mean free Palestine. They mean end of Israel. That's what they mean. They still lie about their objective, even though lately this is becoming more and more apparent, especially from the pseudo-intellectual set at universities and other places. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. And there is uh, a reporter in the UK by the name of Owen Jones. I don't know anything about Owen Jones, who is is one of these people who will tell you that not only is, is Israel wrong, is Israel the, the, the problem, is Israel the issue, but you know what? I've taken a look at the footage regarding October 7th when Hamas engaged this attack. I have questions. I don't believe uh, that this footage is accurate. I don't know if this was uh, created by the Israeli Defense Forces or not. It is, of course, the the level of obscenity here to think that, well, I, I, I can't prove it. Oh, please, this has happened uh, in, in Indianapolis, uh, where, where I am, where there are newly elected uh, city officials who will gladly say on social media, oh, I, don't, I don't have proof of this. I don't know if Israel's telling the truth here. We have video footage, and the video comes from Hamas members of what they did on October 7th, and they want to act like it's not real. Well, this led to a conversation uh, that took place in the UK. I shared with you the what, what I consider to be the, the rather ugly statements of Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan wants to, uh, as I share, as I shared, uh, question what it is that, that Israel is doing. And, and this asking in this pretend seriousness, who's the terrorist? Well, during- well, I think I've got it right here. Here it is. I told him to call it off. Well, during that bombardment, I asked at what point does Israel's current military strategy become the very terrorism it professes to be fighting? And today I'm beginning to ask myself that exact same question you're saying that israel responding to the terrorist attacks of hamas is akin to terrorism because of some view you have of how a war should be fought this to me as as i stated is piers morgan um giving aid and comfort to hamas and being a supporter of hamas that's what it is he can argue it's different but the idea that a reaction and a response from israel is unacceptable because you think it's too personal is a weird statement i would argue first of course it's personal i would assume the united states may have taken pearl harbor personal as well as long with uh, september 11th and i would argue that the response to pearl harbor was absolutely accurate and the response to september 11th wasn't in any way tough enough my take but the idea that israel is akin to a terrorist organization is to give aid and comfort to hamas that's what i'm saying appears morgan luckily there are people at this same network over there talk tv who understand that this is madness one of these people is douglas murray 
who uh, we've heard before as a as a journalist and, and speaking about what's going on. And he is speaking to the anchor. Her name is Julia Brewer. And this is their conversation. A horrific video, by all accounts, that Israel has put together of Hamas footage, CCTV, uh, and, uh, and body cam footage of the events of October the 7th. It is, by all accounts, horrific. Journalists, hard-bitten war reporters who've come out and, you know, cried vomited people struck down by how horrific it is although it doesn't have some of the most horrific events uh involved but bowen jones went to see it he his he's, he's written notes he's come out and basically done a video saying but we don't see any children being killed or beheaded we don't see women being raped we've only really got israel's words for it we don't see a lot of these this brutality that we're told about mm, mm, questioning it now what do you make of that from someone who appears to take everything that Hamas, last time I looked, a prescribed terrorist organization, takes virtually everything they say as given as the gospel truth, and yet when the democratically elected government puts out video footage, verified a lot of it, you know, by NGOs, by witness statements, by path, you know, the pathological, you know, uh, results, he, he, he for some reason doesn't accept it. What does that tell you? Well, it tells me that he's not just frivolous, but sick. Um, he was probably eating popcorn during the video, I imagine. Um, this is a man who spent twenty he spent his youth editing Hamas's Wikipedia page to make sure that Hamas looked better uh, uh, than it does. Uh, he obviously has a sort of obsession uh, about uh, groups like this. It's quite communist. But it's quite common for the sort of so there's a misspeak. Uh, it's quite common for the sort of far left to take any revolutionary movement and hug it close because they always want to just bring down the society that they're in. Uh, that's why, you know, it's, it's otherwise inexplicable that radical leftists would find anything in common with a group like Hamas. Yes. But um, there are always, you know, people who do that. As I say, they, they just find they're sort of hot for any uh, violent revolutionary group. It is a pleasure to hear people speaking so honestly that uh, much of this Hamas support is just support for the next revolution thing. They just they just love the idea. Oh, look at all these fighters. We got to be with the fighters. They don't even know what it is they're fighting. They don't know what it is uh, that, that it is that they support. It's just like when you see the people holding the signs, they're gay, and it says queers for Palestine. W what? If you lived... First of all, you don't even know what you mean by Palestine. But if you lived in Gaza for a week, they'd kill you. Sharia has no place for you. Only the United States is like, welcome. And then you tell us how the United States is horrible and oppressive. Oh, stop talking, you leftist freak children. Because, of course, it's the leftist freak children. You understand it has nothing to do with being gay. It has to do with political ideology. Always remember that. When people talk about why do black people think a certain way? Whoa, that is not true. In the vast majority of cases, you're talking about leftist ideology. You're not talking about people who are black, although there can be things that are said by people who are black taking a look at society as a whole. But those things are much smaller things. When we get into the political things, those things are leftist things because the left does not even view black people who disagree with them as black. 
Remember, if you're black and conservative to the left, you're not really black. If you're a woman and conservative, you're not really a woman. If you're gay and conservative, you're not really gay. And if you're Jewish and conservative, who cares? You Jews are guilty anyway. That's how the left feels. That's what Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and Andre Carson, Jamal Bowman, and Ocasio-Cortez, and Ayanna Presley have taught the rest of us. So it's good to hear people being so clear and so honest and so incredibly focused. Now, this all brings us to the ceasefire. So the hostages are still being released. The ceasefire got extended two days. Another 10 hostages a day being released by Hamas. But they're not releasing all hostages. As a matter of fact, they sent the youngest to another terrorist organization. That news has got people pretty sickened. That Hamas gave a 10-month-old and I think a 4-year-old, their brothers, I believe it is, Uh, to another terrorist organization. That way, any deal that Israel has with Hamas is not a deal they have with the others, and they can extract their own price, exact their own price and extract their own wants. Anybody who trusts Hamas is completely out of their mind. Hamas is a despicable, disgusting terrorist organization, and the people who do not believe in its destruction are supporters. That's my take. Write it down. Take it home. That's where I'm at. Which now brings this story out of CBS. Hamas says it's open to a new ceasefire deal with hostage, with, with Israel as hostage release brings joy. So what are we hearing? Little signs of, hey, we'll release everybody. We'll release IDF soldiers. We'll release men. We'll release everybody. It just has to stop. The war has to stop. Now, this is an interesting conversation because I have stated rather clearly that it can't stop. Hamas has to go. It's the only way you're going to have peace. Let me say for the record, I still believe this. And if Israel stops... Israel is wrong. Tony, you're a warmonger. Oh, no, I'm trying to put an end to it. I'm trying to put an end to the madness. You want to tell me about all the innocent Palestinians. I want to talk about all of the innocent. See the difference between those two conversations? I want to talk about the innocent I want to talk about actual peace, which cannot occur until Hamas is gone. And who in the world would trust Hamas? We are in a ceasefire. Israel's in a ceasefire with Hamas. Explosives, gunfire. This took place by Hamas against Israeli soldiers. Israeli soldiers were injured in these explosions. While the ceasefire is going on, an IDF stayed within the agreed ceasefire line. Hamas cannot be trusted. Hamas gave a four-month-old to a, I'm sorry, a 10-month-old, I apologize, a 10-month-old and a four-year-old to another terrorist organization. They cannot be trusted. You now want to do what? 
engage a full-on ceasefire and end of all hostilities with an organization that is sworn to kill you and will still try? If Israel does this, they're out of their holy damn minds. You see that? That is me criticizing Israeli policy. Do you see the difference? Do you see how that works? You can criticize Israeli policy all you want. That is different than questioning whether Israel should exist. I want Israel to exist, thus I criticize the policy because the policy will lead to the eradication of Israel. Are you insane? It's exactly what I'd say to Benjamin Netanyahu. Are you nuts? For Blunged and Cup. Trust me, some people understood that line. They know they're Yiddish better than you. Madness. No, I do not support this in the slightest. I don't support this ceasefire because I don't want Hamas having the opportunity to rebuild and reload. And that's what's happening. Everybody knows this. What I have said to myself is I have to believe that Israel understands this. They know where the people are. They know what's coming. And therefore, they will act in a way to be able to handle it because they know where the threat's coming from. But I would have said that on October 6th and you had people flying in as if they were on kites on October 7th. So maybe I have to measure my words a little bit more. I'm still angered by this, still disgusted by this. And so we're, we're clear. You understand when this war is over, Benjamin Netanyahu is going to get fired like as fast as you could say hello. He's gone, gone. So we're all perfectly clear because this happened on his watch. The Israelis are going to say, now that this is done, you got to go. First, we take care of the problem, which is exactly why you can't allow a permanent ceasefire. You can't do it. You can't worry about the rest of the world. You have to worry about survival. You have a nation in Israel that's actually together on this subject. They've said enough, Dayenu, enough. And now you're going to let Hamas dictate their survival and your lack thereof? Nah. I know what the pressure is going to be. But the pressure is coming from people who side with terrorists. So what does their pressure really matter? One of the worst things to realize is that what they call peace is not actually valuable. What it is that the squad and Piers Morgan and others seem to be desiring regarding their idea of peace doesn't actually bring it. It's it's, it's, it's a salve. It's temporarily soothing, but it doesn't solve the problem. The problem is only solved with Hamas when Hamas is destroyed. Only then can the people of Gaza live free. Only then could you approach the idea of a two-state solution. Only then do you have options. There are no options as long as Hamas exists. So anything that allows Hamas to exist is therefore wrong. And a ceasefire that allows Hamas to exist is wrong. And Israel should not do it. I'm Tony Katz. It's not that I distrust these particular polls. I just know that voters make their decisions very late in this business and they're willing to change. In fact, in a recent poll we did, 
um, three quarters of Donald Trump's voters in New Hampshire said they are uh, open to changing their minds between now and primary day on January 23rd. So, you know, I know everybody wants to make this race over um, now, um, but it's not over and it's, it's not even close to over. And when you look, just look at the history. Forget about predictions. Let's look at what's happened over mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And what's happened tells you that there's a long way to go here, and I like the fact that we're gaining momentum now. The idea of Chris Christie gaining momentum, I don't know what he thinks that means. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Uh, but he was giving this whole dissertation of why he's staying in the race, and his plan is to stay in the race through the convention. And the answer is, well, you have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. And I think that that, that is a continual theme here. That everything can happen, why leave? Which makes the Tim Scott getting out of the race even stranger. But I think that when you're talking about Ramaswamy, Haley, DeSantis, or Christie, if Trump goes to jail, they all see an opportunity. And none of them are going to get out of the race. That's my take. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.